Let's begin our scriptural reading this morning in Philippians chapter 2. We'll read verses 19 through 24. Philippians chapter 2 and verses 19 to 24. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Interesting so early in the church history that the predominant attitude among those that consider themselves leaders is they have their self-interest in mind rather than to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and and to edify God's people. But Timothy was different. Verse 21, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his, Timothy's, proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. So here the Apostle Paul speaks very highly of Timothy to the Philippians. He speaks of his proven character. The the Greek of that phrase that's translated, that proven character, it it emphasizes that Timothy's life, his conduct, his attitude, everything about him was put to the test and proven to be genuine and proven to be Christ-like. And that's quite a high compliment from the Apostle Paul. So this morning I'm going to start a series on the godly virtues that God is looking for in his children. What is a proven character? What does it mean to be a Christian? I gave this study about eight years ago, but I feel it's one of those studies that is of utmost importance that we constantly be reminded of. We hear so many proclaim their faith in Christ, and, and, and it's, it brings sorrow to see that the, the way that they conduct themselves, their conversation, many things about them, you can't tell them apart from, from the world, from an unbeliever, and yet they boast in being a Christian. We could look at celebrities that consider themselves to be Christians, and yet m- many of their attributes of life, how they conduct themselves, how they talk, it, it's a reproach to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so... To me, I, I think this is one of the most important lessons that God's people can, can have is to know what, it, what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What does it mean to be godly, to be like God, to be Christ-like? Timothy was described as such a person. And so I want to look at this long list of virtues that are found in scriptures that God has show, shown himself to be pleased with, that he's looking for in all of his children. This list is long, and so we're just going to take our time to look at each one in the, in the context of Scripture and then to use it as a plumb line or a measuring stick. Let's stand, stand up alongside these truths that we're going to consider, these godly virtues, and see if we have allowed the Holy Spirit to develop them in us or not. And this is what this whole, this life that we live on this planet's all about. It's to allow the Holy Spirit to do this work in us now 
in preparation for eternity. And so if we don't let the Holy Spirit work these very things in us, then, then we're wasting the opportunity that we have in living this life. This life is so short in the light of eternity. Sometimes it seems long and drags on. Sometimes it seems like it flies by. But when it's all said and done, the Bible describes it as a vapor. It's here for a little while and it's gone. That's the reality of our human experience in, in, in this life. But this life for the Christian is a preparation for eternity. And so God wants to do this work in us. But we need to recognize it. These are the, the virtues that God's looking for us. And this is the standard by which we will all be judged. If you're ever going to take a test in, at school or work, uh, you need to know what the test material is. We are given these virtues to say this is what God's looking for. This is what we are going to be judged by in eternity before the judgment seat of Christ as his children. Let's go to 1 Timothy 1 and verses 3 to 5. It's important for us to understand that the virtues that we're going to look at, many of them will, will sound like and look like and have the same names as some virtues that are found in the unsaved. For example, an unsaved person, I, I know some unsaved people that are very kind, but the kindness that is described as a virtue that the Holy Spirit will develop in us is different than those natural traits. And the way that you can tell the difference, a, a godly trait, whether it be kindness or gentleness or whatever it might be, always comes from an, un <clears throat> an understanding of what the will of God is. And it is always exercised with the purpose of bringing about the will of God in a situation and for individuals. And that's always the basis of these virtues. And so there can be someone, an unbeliever who's kind, who does something that is kind to, for someone, but not necessarily to point them to Christ, not necessarily that they would have an understanding of the will of God. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, we read these words. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment, and the commandment is to teach sound doctrine, teach no other doctrine, but the sound doctrine that was revealed to Paul. What's the purpose of sound doctrine? Is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. So that's why these virtues that we're going to look at, they're different than natural virtues of kindness and gentleness and whatever else we might see in the unsaved, and that are good qualities, certainly. We, we don't deny that. But only sound doctrine can produce these virtues that we are talking about. Knowing what God has said to be true, sound doctrine will, when it's received, when it's believed, when it's surrendered to, it will produce the love of God in you and through you. And only sound doctrine can do that. All, only knowing what God's will is can produce this kind of love. And we become God-like. God is love. And so when we let sound doctrine show us what it means to be committed to someone's well-being, and only sound doctrine can do that, then we become godlike. 
godly. And that's why these godly virtues are only produced by knowing the truth. Brother Kyle prayed about us standing for truth. Only truth can do that, can change us and transform us and produce these virtues that we're going to consider in this this long list of godly virtues that we find in Scripture. Now, in this passage, we also have the phrase, a good conscience. That means the ability to distinguish what is truly good and what is bad. Now, all are born with a conscience. Some consciences are seared to the point that they can't be sensitive to what's right and wrong. We see that in the evil world that we live in. We're all born with a conscience, but sin has corrupted that conscience to to the point that man now calls what God calls good, man now calls bad. What man calls good and profitable, God has declared to be bad because their conscience is corrupted. But a good conscience is one that sees things as God sees them. And this is the kind of virtues that we are considering. Only the Holy Spirit can develop these. I'm just going to give this familiar reference of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 19 to 26. There we read that there are works of the flesh, and we see how vile they are, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, all of those nasty things. But we, as Christians, now have the opportunity to be characterized by the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the virtues that the Holy Spirit develops in you. So this is not natural. We're not talking about personalities. We're talking about a virtue, a list of virtues, that every one of us that have accepted Jesus as our Savior can be characterized by and should be. This is what God is looking for in his children. And only the Holy Spirit can produce them. It's not in you to have these virtues. It's not in your personality. God is able to do this by the power of the Holy Spirit, but we need to know that. Sound doctrine teaches us that. And then we need to yield. Acknowledge the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, and then yield to that work. Desire it. Do you really want to be all that God wants you to be? So many Christians are just glad to know they're going to heaven and not hell. And I'm certainly one of those that I'm glad I'm going to heaven and not hell. But there's so much more than that for those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. I want to be different. I want to be changed. But I have to know what God wants to change in me, what he wants to produce in me. And then I need to seek those things that will do that. Again, if you just want to jot down 2 Corinthians 5.17, we are told that those that have put their faith in Christ, those that are in Christ, have been made new creatures. So there's no excuse for any of us. We can't say, well, Brother Doug, that's just not me. Again, there are so many Christians and celebrities that, that are very vocal about their faith, and yet they are characterized by things that are in complete contradiction to what God says a child of God should be. But we're new, and we're different. And now we need to tap into that newness that is within every one of us. We must daily choose to put on the new habits. Let's do read Colossians 3 and verses 8 to 17, where we have a clear statement here of some things that need to change in our life. Once we come to know Jesus as our Savior, we shouldn't continue to live and to talk and to think like we used to. 
And it doesn't matter how long we've been saved. If you're still here and if you're still breathing, God's still working on you. That's what this life's all about. And many times we fall short of these virtues. That we don't conduct ourselves the way that, that we're going to read. But as a child of God, we have the opportunity to recognize that, to judge it, and say, Lord, I know that this isn't, this attitude, this conduct, is not, it's just not pleasing to you, and I want it to be changed. Show me, teach me this new way of living. And God will show himself faithful when there is that acknowledgement and that repentance and that returning to what he wants to make you. Colossians 3.8. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these. It's a clear statement and some very practical things. That's what I, I say. That this, these kinds of lessons are essential for Christians to hear. And there's so much hypocrisy and reproach brought to the, to the gospel because... God's people aren't being taught these things, but we are to put off these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and all. We all have that same opportunity. We've all tapped into that same life of Christ. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. These are some of the virtues we're going to study. Bearing with one another. And forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Again, more virtues. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, and that pretty well covers it, doesn't it? Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, as we study these very specific virtues about what a proven character is, one that's passed the test. You may be tempted to think that you can never be that good. You can never be that godly. But that lie is direct from Satan. Because if you've been born again, you have all the potential you need. You have the very life of Christ within you. You've been given the divine nature of God. Now we just need to learn to yield to it. But it's there. Never allow yourself to make an excuse. Well, I can't be like that. I'm sorry. That's just not my personality. If you're a child of God, you can and should be characterized by these things. And it's a process. It's a lifelong process. But are others seeing the progress? Are you seeing the progress? And you can't boast in it. If you do, then, then you kind of go back a step or two if you're boasting in how... 
how good you think you are, but to be pleasantly surprised about what God is doing in you, knowing that often it's very contrary to who you are in the natural. And, and, and that should be encouraging to you, Romans 12. When you see God begin to do this work in you, knowing that it's not you, but seeing the reality of the power of the life of Christ in you, it's encouraging. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul says, I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of what he's done for you, that you present, yield your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, to give your entire life and existence to him to be lived for his glory. Are you willing to do that? Do you want to do that? If not, then this study is going to be pointless for you. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world. So many entire denominations and, and assemblies and congregation churches are transforming themselves to look and sound more like the world all the time. And God's people are, are trying to be like the world. But we are told specifically, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's that proven character that God's looking for in you that Timothy had. But it's a transformation. Sound doctrine, truth is an important part of that. That's why Bible studies... And why we read the scriptures like we do is because that's the source of the power of the transformation. When you know what the will of God is, and then you agree with it, you accept it, and then you yield to it. Then the transformation begins to take place. And you can prove that the will of God is good. It's perfect. So we have no excuse not to be characterized by these virtues that we're going to study. But it is a process that we have to learn. Titus chapter 2 and verses 9 to 15. Titus chapter 2 and verses 9 to 15. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, and to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. You see, your conduct in your day-to-day responsibilities at work, at school, at home, They reflect on the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It matters how we live our life in those day-to-day responsibilities. Verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. What does it do? It brings salvation. But that same grace that saves us also teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Do you see what God's will is for his children? He saved us freely by his grace. We didn't deserve it. We can't keep it. We are kept by his power, by his grace. But he didn't save us to leave us as we were. He saved us to transform us, to change us, to make us more like him, to reflect who he is to the world. 
and to prepare us to rule and reign with Christ. And so he's looking for a special people, one who is zealous of good works, doing what's right in his sight. So with that introduction, we're going to briefly look at the first virtue. We're going to more or less look at them in alphabetical order. All of these are going to be found in Scripture. And so let's go to Mark 14. The first one that we're going to look at is alertness. We can also call it awareness or watchfulness. Mark 14 and verses 37 and 38. We as Christians are to be alert, spiritually alert. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? This is uh, the scene in the garden before the crucifixion. Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray was Jesus' commandment. Lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is such an important and valuable character trait that God desires to develop in his children. The opposite of alertness or watchfulness, of course, is to be unaware, to be spiritually sleepy. Whenever we talk about Christians sleeping spiritually, this is what we're talking about. There's a lack of alertness, awareness of what's going on, of what the will of God is, of the traps that the enemy sets for us to keep us from doing the will of God. Many of God's people fall into the snares of false doctrine or of sin and all of its painful consequences because they haven't learned to be spiritually alert. They haven't learned to recognize certain things, conducts, associations. Those things are just traps of Satan to draw me away from bringing glory to God, from doing the will of God. They, in and of themselves, they look attractive, they look good, certain relationships or activities. Well, this is fine, this is good, and yet they don't because they're not spiritually alert. They're not praying about their decisions. They're not checking with Scripture whether these things are in accordance with God's will. Because they don't do those things, they fall into the trap that leads them into either false doctrine and or sin. In the natural, when is it that we begin to get sleepy? Most of us, especially as we get older. When we are inactive, right? Some of us are active all day. We go do what we we're, need to do. And the moment we sit down, either to read a book or to watch TV or whatever it is, the moment we sit down, then we start to fall asleep. Inactivity. And the same is true in the spirit realm. When we begin to be inactive in the activities that God says lead to spirituality, to godliness, then we become spiritually sleepy, unaware of what's going on. In Ephesians 5, verses 14 to 21, Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Understanding, you'll see things as they really are. See then that you walk circumspectly, that is, correctly and accurately, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, buying the opportunity of this life to know the will of God and to be transformed and to have a proven character. Because the days are evil. You need to be awake to see that evil, to avoid that. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How are you going to do that? 
sound doctrine. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. These are some of the activities that will keep you awake, that will keep you aware, alert spiritually. Spend time speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. If you are faithful to continue to do those things, it'll keep you awake spiritually. You'll be able to see things as God sees them. He'll give you light to understand what is proper relationships, proper decisions that lead to bringing him glory. But the moment we stop actively seeking the will of God, and this is why gathering ourselves together as God's people is so important. Sometimes it just seems routine and we get in a rut and may the Lord help us from falling into that rut of just going through the motions. But to understand what we're doing here this morning is to help keep us awake spiritually. To be reminded of things that we know. I don't think I'm saying anything new to anybody. After 25 some years I've been here. You've heard me say these things over and over and over again. But we're being reminded. This is what God's looking for. And if I've fallen short of that. I have opportunity to return. We think of King David. You just want to jot down 2 Samuel 11.1. A man after God's own heart. A man of faith, and yet he failed so miserably to the point that he committed murder, adultery, and then murder. That's a pretty big fall. And when did he fall? Because we're told that when he should have been out fighting the wars against the enemies of Israel, he stayed home. He was inactive. When we stop fighting the good fight of faith, actively fighting, That's when we fall into those traps of sin, temptation and sin and error. May the Lord protect us. Colossians 2, 6 to 8. When we actively study the Bible, sound doctrine that was revealed to the Apostle Paul. When we spend time in prayer seeking the Lord for decisions, direction, for comfort, for strength. Those activities keep us alert spiritually. But the moment we begin to neglect those things, very very basic common things that all of God's people should do, when we stop assembling ourselves together, it's amazing how rapid we fall into that spiritual sleep. Some of God's people are in a coma. And I've seen it over the years where individuals that at one time were on fire, they loved the Lord, they were active even in places of leadership in the church. And little by little, sometimes more often than not, it's because they got offended by somebody. So they quit going to church. Well, I can pray and study at home. Well, yeah, you can. But little by little, all of those things fell off. They quit being active, quit actively seeking the will of God, and, and, and now their life is in complete rejection of all that God has for his children. And how quickly that decline takes place the moment we sit down and quit actively seeking the will of God. Colossians 2, 6 to 8. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Walking is an activity, isn't it? 
rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. All activities. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So we need to be aware. When you have time, you can read the account of the prodigal son in Luke 15. The prodigal son quit seeking, quit actively seeking to please his father. Started thinking about himself, thinking that this is going to lead to joy and prosperity and everything I'm looking for in life. He fell asleep spiritually, and he ended up in the pig pen, wanting to eat what they ate, until one day when he woke up and came to himself. What am I doing here? In my father's house, I have such provision. Even the slaves in his house have more provision than what I have now in my selfish ways. May we not fall into that carnal sleeping attitude. May we not stop thinking and actively seeking the will of God. Jesus is the perfect example. In John six thirty-eight, he says, I've come down from heaven to do not my will, but the will of him who sent me. We live our life not for ourselves, but actively for the glory of God. This is why we watch and pray. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 to 14. We'll close with this 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 morning. Romans 13, verse 11. And do this, activity, do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Jesus is coming. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. All those things that were to put off, actively put off and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. To fulfill its lusts. Yes, all of those things are in you. Those works of the flesh. The deceitful lusts. Yeah, they're there. But you don't have to give in to them as a child of God. If you'll just stay awake. Stay alert. Be active in the things that lead to spiritual awareness. Assemble yourselves together. Read the word of God. Watch and pray. And don't neglect those things. May the Lord help us. To have this proven character. Let's have a song in closing.